Hi everyone, I'm Ruby Scupp and I'm so excited to welcome you to the third episode of Panthers on Politics, the podcast where we discuss relevant political news, information, and resources. So for this episode, we wanted to focus on Arab American Heritage Month, and we'll be discussing this topic with some great guests from PIP. Also joining me today as co-host is Josie, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Josie Cantelmo. I am a sophomore here at the University of Pittsburgh, and I am currently majoring in political science. Um, I'm also from Columbus, Ohio, and that's about it, but I'm excited to be joining Ruby. (laughs) We're glad to have you. Um, So we first just wanted to dive into some background about what exactly Arab American Heritage Month is. So during the month of April, this time is used to celebrate the Arab American community's rich heritage and many societal contributions. It it was celebrated somewhat sporadically throughout the years since the 1990s, but its formal history is actually quite recent. It was launched as an initiative in 2017 by Arab America and the Arab America Foundation, and it was just in 2021, actually, where we had the first official federal recognition of the month by President Joe Biden. Um, And additionally, for a little bit of context, the Arab world reaches from North Africa through the Middle East to the Persian Gulf. So this includes places like Lebanon, Syria, Egypt, Morocco, Iraq, Jordan, Palestine, and Yemen. And there are estimated two to three million Americans who have family origins in the Arab world. So today we have a professor from the Pitt Department of Linguistics here to speak to us. And so you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, thank you for hosting me today. Uh, my name is Emeni Ateya. Um, I'm a teaching professor uh, in the Department of Linguistics. I'm originally from Egypt, Alexandria, Egypt, and I moved to the States in 2005 and uh, started working at Pitt in 2006. I'm the coordinator of the Arabic program in the Department of Linguistics. Very cool. Thank you. Um, So we already outlined a little bit of the basics. Could you describe what Arab American Heritage Month means to you and why you think it's important? Um, I think it's very important to all Arabs who um, live away from home because it gives them visibility and it acknowledges, you know, their achievements and their presence in, in the USA. And that's what it means to me, too. That's great. So uh, something that I wanted to ask you about, I came across in my research, um, was that the U.S. Census currently categorizes people from North Africa and the Middle East as white. But I learned that this goes back to the early 1900s because due to immigration policies, being classified as white was sort of the path to citizenship. Um, However, a lot of people today don't really agree with this categorization. Um, Many with Arab ancestry, for example, don't identify themselves as white necessarily due to distinct lived experiences, um, which unfortunately also includes, you know, profiling and discrimination. And because of these current categorizations, there's perhaps also a lack of specific data on the Arab population, which makes it harder to do important research, like research related to health. Um, So I was just wondering, do you have any thoughts about whether there should be a separate box to check and how this identity is sort of related to or maybe separate from whiteness? 
It's a very complicated issue in this country, the whole idea of ethnicity and how we categorize ourselves, because it's also a complicated issue for people who live in the region we describe as Arab. So Arab as an ethnicity is limited to a very specific part of the Arab world, which is the Arab Peninsula in, in Asia. And other members of the Arab world describe themselves as Arab today because uh, Islam spread to those parts of the world, to North Africa and to the Levant, and they began to use Arabic as an official language. But ethnically, they are not really Arab. No, neither are they white. And there are so many different ethnicities that belong in the Arab world. So for instance, if I speak about Egypt, in Egypt, the ethnicity is Coptic. Coptic means ancient Egyptian, and that's an ethnicity that is specific to the country. Now the term Coptic is only used to describe Christian Egyptians because the church is described as Coptic. So you see how religion and ethnicity and identity have become so entangled. If you're Muslim, you might identify yourself as Arab because that's, you know, your religion puts a lot of importance on the Arabic language. But if you're Christian, you might identify yourself as Coptic because that's the name of your church and that's the original ethnicity of people in Egypt. And the same goes for people who live in North Africa, in Morocco, in Tunisia. They could be Amazigh. They are not really Arab. They are identified now as Arab because of the language that they speak. Uh, but white is a very general term, I feel like I don't think I identify as white, but I check that box because this is what immigration told me to do. Um, but there's also a lot of mix, especially in Mediterranean areas of the Arab world. So, you know, I am ha partly Coptic. My uh, ancestry um, uh, on one side comes from South Italy. Um, so it's 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 really complicated. I'm North African. I'm Coptic. I am you know uh, Italian in a way too. So I, I I really don't know how to identify myself. But definitely I don't like the term Middle Eastern because that's not really an ethnic. It does not describe your ethnicity. It's a colonial term that means this region of the world, right? But it doesn't really explain anything about people who live there. So it's a very complicated issue. Um, I check white, but I know that I am Mediterranean. I'm Coptic, uh, but but not not really. You know, I can't say I'm Middle Eastern or or Arab. I speak Arabic, but I don't think I'm Arab by ethnicity. Uh, thank you for your insight on what is obviously a very complicated issue. <laughs> What do you see as the most common misperceptions of Arab Americans? And what do you think are the best ways to combat these? Ah, so misconceptions about Arab Americans. There are a number of misconceptions, right? So, um, for instance, there is always this misconception that you know, when you go back home, you're going to go back and um, visit basically a desert and, and ride camels and, you know, live a very primitive life when this is not the case when we go back to visit, you know, Egypt or Lebanon or Qatar or whatever. It's a completely different story. So there is always the assumption that we come from places that are very primitive and this is not always 
the case that there is no education that women are always suppressed you know and victimized this is not always the case it could be the case but it's not always the case but there are stereotypes that we deal with in our you know daily life but it's a good thing that i teach you know culture courses and literature courses and these are the things that we point out always to students about the arab world yeah it's sort of related to that um i saw that you do come from a literature background and do research related to the modern arabic novel and so i was sort of wondering what does the role of literature play in arab american culture what does it reveal about the experiences of arab americans um and has this narrative changed a lot over time or has it mean or remained like mostly traditional it has changed and evolved over time i have to say so like part of the courses i teach we do a very important poet called gibran he is from lebanon and he um and his family immigrated to america and lived in america all his life and he wrote sometimes in arabic sometimes in english but it was always about nostalgia the diaspora and um the sad conditions sometimes of you know things at home so that was you know back early in the 20th century and then it changed to issues about sometimes it's about um uh refugees it's about seeking asylum away from home it's about corruption in some arab countries and how when you are living away from home you get you always get a clearer picture of what's going on at home and you have the freedom to you know express an opinion and and write and discuss those issues so i think this is a very good you know opportunity for arab americans to understand to get an insight only when you're far away and you are capable of looking at you know literature that describes honestly and seriously the situations at home you get a much better insight into you know the world you left behind so i th- i feel that i've understood my origins and my country way better being away from home and it's not just for arabs like i know for a fact for instance that james joyce irish writer because he lived in england he always wrote about ireland and he understood you know what is going on in ireland and the problems that the irish have better because he had this objective lens about it so it is a, a very important uh reading literature is a very important way of understanding your identity better for sure for the arab american yeah thank you it is definitely interesting how people like the clarity that's gained once you have detached from a situation um We wanted to ask um do you know of any opportunities either on Pitt's campus or just generally in the Pittsburgh community for Arab Americans to um engage with their culture and identity more? This could be done through like uh reading, through viewing, and this could be not just in Pittsburgh but anywhere there are a huge number of um, um arabic novels that are translated into english and that are being distributed and published everywhere in the world so it's this is a very good resource 
also platforms just like um, Netflix and you know Shahid uh, they are very good in you know um, presenting the newest of you know media that is produced in the Arab in the Arab world and then it's it's a really good idea to get together in you know communities in societies in in groups and touch base on you know your your background what is going on in the homeland uh sharing food sharing thoughts that's always always a good thing to do being close in your community being within people that have shared things with you is very important yeah i definitely agree with that um and i know this is sort of related but I just wanted to ask you if there were any other resources you wanted to share um, if people are interested in learning more. So like I said, books are a very good resource, of course, and there's a lot of work in translation from different parts of the Arab world. And then watching a film, watching film is very, very, you know, telling. Uh, you get to see what their lives are like now. You get to see how they produce films, how they think about themselves and what kind of freedoms they have in you know exposing what is going on in that part of the world so film and and books i think if you had just one book that you could recommend to everybody what would it be because i'm kind of curious now <laughs> yeah so there are so many like very important writers in the arab world um i would recommend mahfouz najib mahfouz he is a novelist and a nobel laureate from egypt the only arab writer to get a nobel prize and he writes um about old cairo like what life was like in old cairo um but it it's also very um it's about people and their problems and he is very universal and what one reason why he received a nobel prize was the fact that from the very local he succeeded it become very universal and, and people everywhere could relate to him so mahfouz is a must on any reading list i think lately i also read uh, abdul razak gurna who is the nobel laureate for 2021 he is from tanzania and he wrote a, a marvelous novel called afterlives and it's about colonial africa uh early in the 20th century and it's also a very interesting book to read if you're interested more in in Africa rather than you know coastal Africa like deep in Africa yeah I'm definitely interested in picking those up now um well yeah thank you so much for providing these insights into the Arab American language and experience and culture um we really appreciate you joining us today thank you very much for this opportunity <laughs> yes thank you Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Yeah. You. Thanks. Bye. So another guest we have joining us today is a student at Pitt. Uh, so you can go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. My name is Nasra Nehnoush. Um, I am an LCJS major, so that's Law, Criminal Justice, and Society. And I'm also doubly, uh, double majoring in psychology with a certificate in human rights and social justice. And I am a freshman currently. Yeah, so we just wanted to start out by asking, um, could you describe what Arab American Heritage Month means to you and why you think it's important? So Arab Heritage Month is currently this month right now. We're currently in it. Um, I believe that it's a time to recognize and celebrate the contributions and achievements made by Arab Americans in society, um, whether that's the culture or our rich history. 
this month provides an opportunity to raise awareness um, of the challenges that are faced by Arab Americans that aren't usually talked about. Um, observing the month is important because it allows for you to promote a greater understanding of our community and the diverse cultures and traditions that aren't usually represented. It provides an opportunity to celebrate our achievements, but it also um, helps us combat negative stereotypes and discriminations that Arab Americans may face. Great, thank you. What are some of the ways you celebrate and engage with your Arab American culture and identity? So for me personally, um, I have always engaged in my Arab culture by visiting my home country of Egypt. Um, I have a lot of relatives there, so it allows me to be engaged with the culture, the history, the people, and just see things firsthand. But um, even in America, I cook traditional meals. Um, my parents taught me the importance of learning Arabic so I can stay engaged in that culture. Um, visiting cultural sites and also just kind of, um, kind of sharing a community with also other Arabs and sharing your own stories and traditions and how you celebrate it. I found that very important. Yeah, it's definitely important. Um, what challenges have you or people you know faced related to your Arab American identity? Um, one of the biggest challenges I definitely reconcile with this question is definitely culture identity issues. Um, being Arab American, it's very hard to balance um, your identity between being Middle Eastern and American, especially if your parents are immigrants. So it's kind of hard because you still want to be engaged, um, but you are somewhat assimilating to American culture being here. Um, another thing I will say is even though I am fortunate enough to know the language, a lot of people have language barriers, which um, can be really hard. And another big thing is discrimination. Arab Americans face a lot of discrimination and prejudice due to negative stereotypes and just lack of overall information. And sometimes that can be um, stemming from ignorance and other times it could just be stemming from a lack of knowledge, which isn't really provided in our education system, sadly. Yeah. It's really important. What do you think are some good ways moving forward to combat discrimination, profiling, and other forms of just like general unknowledge or hate in that the Arab community faces? So one thing that I think is really important, not only for just Arab Americans, but um, in all um, multicultural um multicultural races and everything else, I think representation, whether that's media representation, political representation, it's so very important and it's not talked about enough. Um, being a child and being able to see someone who is the same color or had the same experiences as you. Um, when I was a child, um, I knew personally I didn't not I didn't know many Middle Eastern lawyers, which is why I aspire to be a lawyer now so I can have someone who looks up to me and says that my community can do it too. Because of that lack of representation, you have a group that basically believes that in a way they have less of an opportunity, which is completely not true. Um, in our modern day society, we should have so much more representation and we should have legal protections too. Um, we need protection from discriminatory um, practices, especially in education 
in your workplace and also just overall having more education and awareness for people who aren't aware that they're being ignorant because a lot of the time people don't really understand and it's not usually just them being ignorant for the sake of being ignorant but it's just a lack of education yeah that's that's definitely true thank you for those insights um so do you know of any opportunities on pitt's campus or just in pittsburgh more broadly uh, for Arab Americans to engage with their culture and identity? So that's a great question because I am on the board for uh, Manessa, which is a Middle Eastern North African Student Association. Um, and we we welcome that club to everyone. You don't necessarily have to be a part of that group, but it basically has cultural nights. We've had del- belly dancing nights, and it's a way for you to really dive into the culture. A lot of people are away from home. Me personally, I'm away from home. And when I came to Pittsburgh, I was worried that I wouldn't necessarily be in that same community that I was privileged enough to have and that diverse community that I was privileged enough to have in New Jersey. But the club really allowed me to connect with others who've been through the same experiences, who still want to be connected to their heritage. So through these cultural nights, even though they're like fun and silly and everything, you still have kids who come back and basically say that this has helped them a lot um, in interacting with their history and their ancestors and all of the other culture that the club was able to provide them with. Yeah, that's a great resource for people. Um, And lastly, are there any other resources you would like to share with listeners if they're interested in understanding or just learning more? I think um, personally, there there aren't much resources, sadly, um, but I definitely think that, again, engaging in these clubs, engaging, taking full advantage of the diversity inclusion program that we have at Pitt. And if you have questions, ask, it's better to be informed than like unknowingly ignorant because again most of the time we're just it's just a lack of information it's a lack of education on a certain group and people will be happy to direct you to the right information or educate you on a certain topic that you're unsure of like for an example I am participating in Ramadan this year and that comes with a lot of questions and I'm more than happy to sit down and talk to someone about what it exactly means to partake in Ramadan or even just other cultural things. I think that's a really good perspective for, you know, this subject and just even more generally and broadly. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you for that message. And thank you for sharing about your experiences. It was really insightful. Um, I appreciated you joining us today. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. We will see you guys in the next episode.